This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Seven recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined by Nick Harris. And Nick, it has been a long, long time since the both of us have been on these airwaves talking to our listeners. Um, how's it going? It's going great. It, it has been a while. A lot of things have happened. In case, uh, in case anybody hasn't noticed, and uh, I think one of the more notable things that has happened in the last, I guess, two or three months since we last had the podcast was. Uh, you wrote a basketball article, which I think is getting very slept on in, in terms of importance and, and this whole ordeal in the last few months, because that, that's pretty big, just because you like to crap on it sometimes. But here you are writing an article about it. I do like to crap on basketball, but I am a con- <laughs> I am the content king. So uh, content- I like it. I respect it. Content is content, no matter what. I was, uh, yeah, I was out at a ba- at a football tryout and ran into basketball prospect Anthony Black and thought, you know what, I might just become a basketball reporter today, um, <laughs> and so I did. Uh, so yeah, it has been a while, and and I guess let's let's kind of explain that for the listener. Um, I can't remember when the last podcast you and I sat down and did together. Now we we kind of brought this podcast back last week with me and Brandon Huffman just talking Sarkeesian in the special after he was hired. But as far as like our conventional podcast, what it pretty much boiled down to for me was we were getting into a very busy time of year. It was state championships, playoffs, all those things. I had COVID for a period of time. Uh, Nick was doing a whole bunch of stuff and the biggest thing was we were getting the same questions over and over about the coaching situation and recruiting. And both of those things were kind of dead. And so, um, you know, rather than get on here and just talk about nothing and kind of, you know, check the boxes each week, uh, we decided to kind of take a break, um, recharge the batteries a little bit. And uh, it's paid off because now we can come back and, and each week bring you, you know, a lot of good stuff. And I do envision a lot of good stuff coming up based on, what we've seen from Steve Sarkeesian so far. So we are back. We're going to start doing uh, the, you know, our normal podcast again with the mailbag and all those types of things. Um, And uh, so, yeah, let's jump right into it. Uh, It's been a wild two weeks since Steve Sarkeesian was hired. I was in fact, so let's go back to uh, a week and a half ago when he, the day it was announced, it was actually the Friday before that. It was uh, was that New Year's Eve. New I think that, yeah, that would have been the first. Or, or no, no, that was been New Year's Day. Yeah, um, what well, was the day I got out of COVID protocol where I could finally be out amongst the world and not in quarantine again? And I got a call that night from a source saying, "I think Steve Sarkeesian is going to be announced as the next Texas head coach tomorrow." And so we, you know, we went to work on it as a staff. We put everything together. Um, and I didn't know what the timing was going to be like. And literally like the next day I got up to drive to Austin to go see Kate Klubnik and, and Westlake play. And 
I wasn't 30 minutes into my drive before the announcement came out that Tom Herman was fired. And since that time, it has been an absolute whirlwind. Um, let's talk about the staff first. Uh, I think that I said this on a couple of different like radio shows and stuff. I think that we overrate how big the Texas job is for a head coach. I think that people talk about how difficult it is and things like that. And I think that that's an overrated sentiment. I think if you look at the things Mac Brown did well, and you look at the things that Charlie Strong and Tom Herman did poorly, they all kind of tie back to one thing. And that is what kind of assistance do you put around you? Mac Brown built himself a staff full of recruiters and coaches um, who could go out and find the best talent. Charlie Strong and Tom Herman kind of leaned more on those comfort type of hires and, and didn't use the full resources that the University of Texas has to go find guys. Um, and I think that's really telling because, you know, when you get into year three and you have to turn over your entire staff like Herman did, you know, that matters. And that's sure. You went out and found some guys. Chris Ash was, was a really good DC. I thought this year, I thought Mark Hagan was a really good defensive line coach for and, and recruiter for his short amount of time here. I think Coleman Hutzler, we learned is a rising star in this industry, but man, like what, what would, what could you have done if you'd have had those guys year one? And so I think that that's always the most important thing. And it seems kind of the way Steve Sarkeesian is going about hiring a staff right now. Um, he's, he kind of understands that and, and is, is putting those resources to the best use. Yeah, he is hiring people uh, that he is familiar with. Um, obviously a lot of Alabama assistants coming along with him uh, and more coming in, even as we record uh, but he's also going out and, you know, getting guys like A.J. Milwee uh, for the quarterbacks coach, um, uh, supposedly. Um, and so I, I like the I like the hire so far. There's a lot of really good recruiters. But there's also really good developers. And um, it's been a while since Texas has had both of those on staff. Uh, and so I, I am excited for the future. I'm excited to see what the Sarkeesian staff ends up being by uh, whether it be the end of this week or the end of next week. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited for those guys to get going on the recruiting trail just because there is already a lot of steam with recruits uh, in regards to Sarkeesian. Um, Sarkeesian has been on the phone with multiple recruits this week, sometimes multiple times. Um, so I, I think this will really pay dividends on the recruiting trail as well. Let's talk about where that staff is and what we think they can kind of bring to the table. Um, so from what we know, yeah, you mentioned AJ Milwee was a guy, an analyst that, that Steve Sarkeesian had at Alabama. That's the guy that he wants to, to, come here and be his quarterbacks coach from all I understand. Um, in most cases, your, your offense coordinator is your quarterbacks coach. But in this case, we know Sarkeesian's going to be the offensive coordinator for Texas. Um, and so I think there's a lot been made about this hire. Um, and we'll just go kind of Nick one by one and break it down. And I'll give my thoughts and you can kind of throw in your thoughts as well. There's a lot been made about this hire. He's not a hot name. He's not a great recruiter from anything we know. But to me, if your head coach is calling the offense, you need a guy who can day in and day out get his message across to the quarterbacks and to the offensive room when the, when the head coach has to do other things, when he has to go be the Texas head coach. You need a guy that you can trust. And I think that in any case, I would say let Steve Sarkeesian choose whoever he wants for that job because he knows who he can trust to convey that message to the quarterbacks. Uh, to the rest of the offensive staff and all those types of things. I don't look at AJ Milwee as a recruiting hire. That is a, that's a continuity hire for, for Sarkeesian to be able to feel comfortable both calling the offense and being the Texas head coach. 
Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, if Sarkeesian is approving of a quarterback coach higher, then I, I feel like we should all be on board. He's done, he's had a pretty good job of developing quarterbacks in his time, uh, whether it be his time as head coach at USC in Washington um, or as an assistant at a, or as the offensive coordinator at Alabama. So if he wants to bring Milwee on board, I think that's fantastic. Like you said, probably not a recruiting hire. But uh, when it comes to quarterback recruiting, I, uh, I would imagine Sarkeesian would be the man really involved uh, in recruiting guys like Connor Wigman or Kate Klubnik or uh, anybody in the 23 class looking forward. So, uh, yeah, I do like to hire as long as Sarkeesian does because I, I trust him with quarterbacks. All right. And running back, it looks like Stan Dr- – I mean, well, not looks like. Stan Drayton will be retained. Um, you know, that was something we kind of heard right off the bat. And I think that that's a very important piece for Texas because, A, you know, what you look for in coaches is you want a guy that's, you know, a good recruiter and a good coach. If you can find one that does both, I think that that is a guy like Drayton. Um and, and, you know, he's got a lot of continuity with the guys in state, whether it be LJ Johnson this year or, or guys like Jaden Blue next year. Um, I think he was an important holdover. You always want, you know, one or two guys that I think could say this is what we were doing. And Drayton is, is a guy that's kind of flexible in that way where you can, um, you know, you can use him to continue to recruit the big name targets he was recruiting. And plus, he's done a really good job. I mean, he's, he's known he's got a strong relationship. Uh, I'm sorry, strong reputation as a running back developer. Yeah, absolutely. One of the best position coaches in America, if you ask me, Stan Drayton has done a really good job in the last uh, half decade or so at Ohio State, now at Texas and developing running backs. And you just kind of look at what B. John Robinson was able to do whenever he was on the field last year. Uh, that kind of gives you a taste of what he can bring uh, moving forward, Drayton, that is. And he's also been really uh, instrumental in recruiting um, and recruiting guys like L.J. Johnson, Jadon Blue, uh, Tavoris Jones, Jadarian Price, uh, so he's, he's a big win on the recruiting trail. I talked to Jadon Blue the day after that. Uh, it was expected that Drayton was going to be retained. And he was like, that's huge because if he would have left, it would have been uh, starting from uh, point A with, with Texas. So uh, I definitely like keeping Drayton on staff. That was one of the things I, I, I was really hoping for whenever uh, everything was going down. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> that's that's great to have a guy. And, and, you know, you go to wide receiver and same thing. They decided to keep Andre Coleman. And I think that, that, yeah, Sarkeesian did seem to make a run at Dennis Simmons, the Oklahoma receiver coach who, who he played with at BYU. Um, but I do think that, you know, keeping Andre Coleman, I know, you know, that was one of the more criticized holdovers. We've done a lot of reporting at Horns 24-7, and a lot of the reporting we've heard on receiving recruiting centered around Tom Herman being very meddlesome in that position group. Um, so I, I'm not here to promise you that Andre Coleman is now going to be the best recruiter in the world, but what I would say is I would like to see him with the handcuffs off a little bit and see what he can do. You know, he does have a good reputation with players. There were a lot of recruits I talked to over the weekend before it was resolved on who the wide receiver coach would be that were asking what would happen with coach Coleman, because they, they do like him. So, um, I'm interested to see kind of where they go from here and, you know, just in a larger thought on that. If you surround yourself with great recruiters at some places, you can afford to maybe go with a more, you know, average recruiter at a place if he's a better developer. And, and you know, Coleman's got the, the reputation for being a developer. Yeah, for sure. He, he's developed guys in his time. And whenever everything was going down a couple Saturdays ago, uh, you saw a lot of people tweeting out uh, Jordan Whittington being probably the most notable uh, saying they better keep Stan and they better keep Coleman. And uh, that's what ended up happening. Uh, so the players are obviously bought in with Andre Coleman. Uh, on the recruiting trail, there's a lot of kids that really like Andre Coleman. They've been able to build those relationships pretty well. 
Um, so I, I do, I initially, I was a little hesitant about, Oh, okay. They're keeping Andre Coleman, but now I, I I'm with it just because, uh, we're kind of seeing, um, you know, his full potential at this point. Uh, at tight ends, the big news today, um, Jeff Banks was, was announced, uh, or not announced, but basically we, we have heard he is coming to Texas on a massive deal, going to be paid 1 million basically to coach tight ends. I would assume he may get like an associate head coach tag, something like that. Um, and that's, that's where I'm kind of talking about. You can, if you, even if you think that Andre Coleman isn't a plus recruiter, you can afford to have a developer there. If you have an elite recruiter like banks at tight ends and, and make no mistake about it. Banks is an elite recruiter. He is in the top oh, I would say 20 guys in the country any school would want out there recruiting. He's got Texas ties. He's got West Coast ties. He's got Southeast ties. Now, he is a national recruiter with a strong reputation, and the feedback I got from Texas coaches uh, was incredible on him. Yeah, uh, one of the best recruiters in the state of Texas in recent years, and he wasn't even in the state of Texas. You know, Alabama pulled, I think, the number one player from five position groups in the state of Texas in this 2021 recruiting cycle. And that's a huge part uh, of uh, Jeff Banks. And so I am, uh, I'm really excited to see what he can do on the recruiting trail. And the first guy that I think of in 2022 in regards to Banks is Donovan Green, a uh, four-star tight end down in Dickinson. Um, I, I think this is going to help in his recruitment tremendously uh, because he, he was liking Alabama with Jeff Banks. And uh, Banks has done a, a pretty good job recruiting some other guys like Brennan Thompson as well. So, um, yeah, I'm excited by this hire. And it, it sure looks like the Texas donors are excited by this hire too with that salary. Yeah, I think um, also, you know, if you want to go look at another, I would say, plus recruiter and, um, you know, developer, Kyle Flood coming on as offensive line coach and offensive coordinator. Um, coordinator, obviously, title only, you know, like we said, Sarkeesian will call the plays, but um, that's a guy with, a again, a legitimate track record of development. And from everybody we've talked to, going to be a pretty good recruiter. So uh, the offensive staff kind of in place and set and ready to roll. And uh, I'm ready to see kind of what Kyle Flood can do to, to solve these problems on the Texas O-line. Yeah, the 2022 class is pretty loaded on the offensive line. And Texas definitely kind of whiffed in the 2021 class. That's no secret on the offensive line. Uh, you know, signing just a couple of uh, uh, mid-tier targets. But um, looking forward to 2022, there's there's room to catch up. And I think hiring a guy like Kyle Flood definitely puts them in position to do just that uh, with guys like Kelvin Banks or Devon Campbell. So um, definitely a plus recruiter, and I'm excited to see what they can do. All right, defensive side of the ball, um, Bo Davis, again, we're talking a plus-plus recruiter um, in Bo Davis. Uh, I think that – you know, when he was here previously at Texas, he did a great job recruiting, did a great job at Alabama. Big reason Ashawn Robinson went to Alabama and flipped from Texas. So a guy with some some legitimate skins on the wall. And he's been in the NFL for the last couple of years, so he's going to have some NFL pedigree behind him when it comes to teaching as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about this hire. I don't know a ton about Bo Davis. Um, I know he has that NFL pedigree, and I know he's a plus recruiter. Uh, and those two things um, uh, combined with the staff that they already have in place. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do, especially in the state of Texas, where uh, the defensive line is looking pretty good in 2022 as well. I know I keep saying that, but this 2022 class is really it's one of the best in state history. So uh, if they can get guys at each position group that are plus recruiters, uh, th then it definitely sets them up quite nicely. And Oscar Giles, there has been no resolution there yet. He is still kind of around. I don't know if Texas is, is leaning towards keeping him or not. Um, there has not been a linebacker 
coach announced that we we anticipate that will probably be with whoever the DC hire is uh, coming in in the secondary Terry Joseph and Blake Gideon. Um, you know, I think that a lot of people look at Terry Joseph and thought that was an underwhelming hire, but the word I've heard pretty overwhelmingly from people that I've spoken to is not only is he a strong, solid recruiter with, uh, you know, ties to the state ties to Louisiana, but he's, you know, he's also a, a really strong teacher and a really strong uh, coach. So um, that was actually more of what I heard on Joseph was that he was more of a, uh, had a better reputation as a coach and a teacher than anything. Yeah, I'm excited to, to see what he can do as far as developing the corners. Um, uh, J.D. Coffey, I think, is going to be pretty ecstatic about uh, the Terry Joseph hire. I know he was looking at Notre Dame and his recruitment as well. So, uh, and you, obviously, I think someone brought this up on the board last week, and it was a really good point. Sarkeesian must have seen something he liked uh, in the um, Notre Dame secondary in that semifinal game to want to bring on Terry Joseph. So, uh, uh, yeah, I am a fan of this hire, and I'm excited to see what he saw. Well, Blake Gideon, you're talking about a guy who obviously there's a lot of Texas ties. They played at Texas, was a four-year uh, starter, was a two-year captain. So, I mean, there there are a lot of ties there. And he, guys, he did a lot more than drop an interception in a pivotal time. I mean, that the kid to come from a two-star from Leander High School to, to do what he did at Texas, I think, was pretty incredible. And I think a lot of people tend to focus on the worst moment of his career. But, um, you know, a lot of inexperience, I think, there. But... Um, when you look at it, we don't know much about him as a recruiter. Um, but I think I, from what I've been told, he's a guy that's going to go after it. He's a guy who's going to benefit from the wealth of experience around him in that defensive room. Um, and so I think, uh, he's, he's a perfect guy that you can kind of breed and mold into maybe a young star recruiter. Yeah, with young guys in any industry, uh, you want to see them in a position that you think they'll succeed. And I think this is definitely a position, uh, probably the best position for Blake Gideon to succeed. Um, obviously, the Texas ties, I know this excites a lot of Texas fans. Um, he's going to be able to learn from some of the best in the game. So uh, I, I'm pretty excited about it. I think he'll bring some energy on the recruiting trail, even though we don't know a ton about what he can do with recruiting. Uh, but I think he'll bring some energy, and I think uh, he'll end up be a guy, being a guy that uh, you know Texas can um, uh, grow into a star. All right, so that's what we know for now. Stick with Horns 24-7 we'll, we'll, as we finish the staff out and see kind of recruiting. And speaking of recruiting, Nick, um, Steve Sarkeesian got a, a commitment before he was done coaching the national championship game. Uh, four-star wide receiver from Louisville, Texas, Armani Winfield, um, literally watched the first half of that game and then called Andre Coleman and said, I've seen enough, I'm in. Um, what, do you, uh, what are your thoughts on, on that commitment, Nick? I think it's pretty funny. I like it. Um, he, he knows what he wants and he was willing to pull the trigger like that, but uh, definitely a surprise to me. Um, I think it was a surprise to all of us and it finally picked some uh, momentum back up in that 2022 class. And uh, I was talking about this uh, with our good friend Guy Frazier actually earlier this week. It also, I'm sure this helps with Jalen Gilbo a lot. I mean, he's been the only one in that 2022 class for, you know, a couple of months now, just kind of sitting there. I talked to Jalen a couple of weeks ago. He said he's a guy that values loyalty, but he, he wants to make sure he sees the same from the Sarkeesian staff, uh, uh, you know, to be really firm in his commitment. But, you know, once you see one of the best players in the state join you, uh, you got to feel pretty good. And, you know, I like Armani Winfield. I think he's got a lot of potential. Um, didn't have the biggest uh, junior season, but there's a lot of potential there uh, uh, with that Louisville team in his senior year. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do. And he's already doing some pretty big things on the seven on seven trail uh, or the seven on seven circuit um, so far this spring. So, uh, I, I love the commitment and I think it picks up some great momentum here in the 22 class. 
Yeah, kind of a big, long guy with a big frame, still growing into his body, I would say. Um, you know, he can kind of play the X position where he can be physical and, and his route running is really strong, but he can go over the top a little bit too. So um, I think he's he's versatile in that way. You can even play him inside at times. I think uh, there's a lot you can do with Armani Winfield and you know, generate a lot of excitement right off the bat, getting something for start, you know, before he'd even done his press conference, he had a, a commitment announcement. So uh, that's, I don't know how, how, common that is i haven't seen it a lot but uh a really strong pickup for texas and speaking of armani winfield um i spoke with him uh, earlier this week and uh, we're going to go to an interview i did with him right now and now joining me on the state of recruiting podcast is the newest member of the texas class for 2022 uh it is four-star louisville wide receiver armani winfield armani thanks for joining me today yeah for sure be done so uh, as you told our own Steve Wilfong in your commitment story, you you had seen enough by halftime in the national championship game, huh? That was enough for you to, to call up and make Facts. your commitment. <laughs> Facts. Yeah, they, 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 that was enough. You know, that, that's definitely where I wanted to be under, under that type of offense. What was it? I mean, what was uh, what was it about? Is it just you know the way they utilize receivers and get the guys the ball in space and all that type of thing? Yeah, you know, and then Texas, it's a close, you know, it's close to home. I wasn't really trying to go too far. And there's a lot of money money to be made in Austin, really, because by the time I get to Texas, I'm able to use image and likeness in full, full effect. I know it's something te- like the previous staff at Texas pushed a lot as, you know, what the opportunity to to kind of brand yourself and, and maximize that name, image, and likeness. Um Talk to me about Andre Coleman. That's a guy that that Texas kept, and a lot of fans were kind of wondering, you know, was there a reason to keep him? But I know you and, and Coach Coleman were pretty close, and you're, you're a fan of his. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Coach Coleman called me a couple of days before I talked to Coach Stark. He, uh, you know, we were basically saying that he's staying at Texas and stuff. And the main reason he told me that he was able to stay because his resume, you know, his, uh, his production, you know, he, he really pushes people to the league. So they decided to keep him. From a personality standpoint, what what clicks to you about uh, your relationship with Coach Coleman? Just you know, just, just him being like he like he told me that he was once in my shoes before. You know, uh, someone who basically been down the same path I want to go go down is someone like someone who knows how to get there. Um, have you got? I know you got to talk to Coach Sarkeesian a little bit after you committed. Um, he actually mentioned you without being able to say your name during his introductory press conference, but did mention they got a big in-state commitment. Um, what's your impressions of him, and, and what stands out about him? Really, just the way he like the way he carries himself. You know, uh, you know, you see all of Instagram, all of Twitter. You know, he carries himself like the way he carries himself is how I want to carry myself. So that's really it. He just carries himself real well to me. Um, I, I would say that. You know, for Texas, well, knowing you, Armani, as I do, and I've known you for a long time because you've been a guy we've known about since you were a freshman, um, you're a talker. You like to talk to other guys, and you got a lot of friends and all that sort of thing. Which guys are you working on to kind of join you at Texas? Really, uh, uh, my my, uh, quarterback out there in Cali, Malik Murphy, you know, and then my uh, someone play on the 7-7 team, Kevin, uh, Kevin Coleman. He, uh, receiver five star. I'm trying to get him. You know, we gotta have somebody come along with me. 
Yeah, you got to play with uh, Kevin this weekend or, or this last weekend with Fast 7-on-7 seven seven at the Pylon Dallas Tournament. Um, I was out there to watch, so I got to see both of you guys play. But what did you notice from Kevin? What do you think stands out about his game? His game, he, his knowledge for the game and how, how, how fast he is. You know, like him being like a like a smaller receiver, he, he, he got a little quick two weights about him, you know. That's really what stands about him and his knowledge for the game for sure. Have you been talking to him this week since uh, since making the official commitment? Oh, yes, sir, for sure. He he uh, he he told me he's definitely looking out. Yeah, yeah, I think he did drop a top six or something on Instagram or on uh, Twitter today that that had Texas in it, uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, what do you? I mean, I know that there was a point last year, last summer, even I took that picture of you that I posted of you with with a Longhorn hat on, with throwing the hook em up. I mean, it felt like maybe you were close to pulling this trigger last summer. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I was. I was. I am. Yeah, I was. I was real close. Um, was it just kind of the ups and downs of the season with and, and, you know the questions with Tom Herman that kind of made you back off and then kind of seeing where things were going with Coach Sarkeesian and Coach Coleman being there is what, what made you kind of jump back in? Yeah, you know, because uh, Tom Herman, I, I felt like, you know, like committing under his coaching staff, I didn't know if, uh, I was, if they were going to be there by the time I got there. You know what I mean? Because, you know, all the rumors about him leaving, you know, so, like, I just wanted to make sure that if I commit to a school, it's going to be, like, when I get there, I'm going to be there with the people who recruited me. Um, your trainer, Margin Hooks, played at BYU with Steve Sarkeesian. Has he told you anything about him yet? Yeah, yeah, he did. He he, uh, he, he actually told me a lot about him, what type of person he is, you know, just a big vocal leader. Um, let's well, a little bit about you off the field, Armani. When you're not playing football, um, what do you do for fun? What do you enjoy uh you know, doing in your downtime? Sleeping for sure, sleeping. Cause you know, just being an athlete, I feel like I'm always wearing my body down. So rest is the biggest thing to me. What about, uh, you're not, you, you don't play video games or anything like that? I, 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 I watch movies. I, I'm, I'm actually a big movie guy. Have you seen anything good lately you'd like to recommend to, to those of us listening? Hmm. Um. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman just came out with a new movie. I, I I love the DC series. Okay, so the new Wonder Woman that came out. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, like, yeah. All right, well, Armani, we appreciate you for jumping on and uh, joining us today and talking to the Texas fans out there. Uh, what's your message to the Texas fans? Okay. So, All right. Thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it. What's so- We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of The State of Recruiting. We'll be back with the second half after a word from our sponsors. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we want to thank Armani Winfield for joining us on the show this week. Uh, Before we get into our mailbag, it is the last week of the Texas high school football season. We are... Uh, going to come back and do some picks and we and do a small preview on the Texas State Finals uh, happening this weekend today. As you're hearing them tonight, they will start at AT&T. Um, and those games will be broadcast live on Fox Sports Southwest if anybody wants to watch. Um, Nick, let's start with 5AD2, jump right into it. Uh, a matchup between uh, Alito and Crosby. Alito, the, the reigning king of 5AD2, and I would say almost Texas high school football. I think this is what this would be their 10th state title if they won it. Um, just an insane run, but they're going up against the giant killers. The run that Crosby has been on this playoff, knocking off uh, big team after big team, has just been incredible to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Crosby's kind of the Cinderella team that made it this far, and now they're going to get the uh, the final boss in Alito in 5AD2. Uh, Crosby has beaten Fort Bend Marshall, who was a team that has made the state championship uh, the last two years. Uh, And even though Fort Bend Marshall was replacing a lot from their team last year, they looked really good this year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, And Crosby was able to uh, hold them. I believe that was in the regional final. And then uh, last week, Crosby won a thriller against uh, the slot T killers, Liberty Hill. Um, uh, I believe that went to overtime and had like a 66 to 65 final score, just a crazy game down in Bryan. But Nevertheless, here Crosby is, uh, they have a chance to win a state title in their first state title appearance. Uh, but Alito, you know, Alito is Alito. And um, they, they're really well coached, really good talent on both sides of the ball. It's going to be hard to pick against them. Um, you know, if I had to put like a spread on it, I'd put it like eight and a half at Alito. Um, just because you, like you, you like you like to say, you don't get rich betting, on, uh, betting against Alito or betting against good teams. So uh, that's my thoughts on the whole ordeal. Well, let's go ahead and put a pick on it, Nick. Where, who are you going with? Definitely Alito. Um, I, I think the electricity of JoJo Earl will be on show uh, at AT&T Stadium tomorrow. So uh, look look for that. There's something about Alito that's felt vulnerable to me all year, um, whether it be kind of how they've patchworked together their quarterback situation. Um, you know, JoJo Earl is a star, but he's only one man. Um, I really want to pick Crosby here. I really do. Like, can they complete the full run? But the thing I keep going back to is last year. Last year, Alito seemed as ripe for the picking as they ever were. And we thought, everybody thought, well, Marshall will get them this year at State. And, man, that team just knows what to do when they show up at AT AT&T. As much as I want to pick Crosby, you don't get rich betting against Alito. I got to see somebody knock them off before I can pick against them. So I'm going to roll with Alito as well. Uh, 5AD1, 7 p.m. Friday night at AT AT&T Stadium. Denton Ryan and Jatavian Sanders uh, versus Cedar Park. Going to be a banger. Um, Is this the year Denton Ryan finally gets it done? Uh, there's a, I, I think this is going to be a really good ball game. I think this is going to surprise a lot of people. Cedar Park has a lot of weapons, and they have a really good defense. On the offensive side of the ball, they have Ryder Hernandez. Um, I went and saw Cedar Park against Hutto uh, last year, and um, Ryder Hernandez balled out in that game. Uh, Cedar Park ended up winning, of course. I think they've only lost, like, five regular season games this, the last decade. Um, and Ryder Hernandez balled in that game, and afterward uh, I went up to interview him. And uh, he said he had the flu and he, he had a little flu game, which uh, pre-COVID, you know, that was a cool thing to have. 
And then uh, Josh Cameron at wide receiver. He wears number 34 as a wide receiver. It's going to be really weird looking on your TV screen and seeing that. But I guarantee he's going to have a couple of deep plays, and uh, he's going he's gonna to flip that game on its load a couple of times. I can guarantee you that. But um, I think this is the year Denton Ryan gets it done just because there's so much talent on both sides of the ball, so much talent with kids playing both sides of the ball. Um, and when you have guys like Savian Sanders, Billy Bowman, Bear Alexander, Anthony Hill, I mean, I could run down the list of four- and five-star prospects they have. I think Denton Ryan wins a close one. Uh, give me like a 30-28 to 28 type game. I will make you this promise right now. If Denton Ryan loses this game, I'm, I'm going to pick them. You know I'm you know I'm a fan of the Ryan program. I loved Dave. I've gotten to know those boys over the last couple of years when they were committed when Billy was committed to Texas, Jatavia and Texas recruiting them. Um, Ryan was a program growing up in the Dallas area that I always revered. Loved the helmets, loved the, the uniforms, the great players they've had come through that program. And there's a lot of coaches on that staff over there I really like. I swear to God, if they don't win this year, I'll never pick them again. It does not matter. It does not matter who they play. I will never pick them again. This is the year. We thought last year was the year. It was ripe for the picking for them. Um, They didn't lose a ton other than Drew Sanders, but arguably maybe as talented as they were last year. They've got to get it done. And they worried me in the semifinal against an overmatched summit team. But I'm going to put my my faith in the sons of Ryan and uh, pick the Raiders to finally bring it home Friday night. Uh, Saturday at 1 p.m. at AT AT&T Stadium will be the 6AD2 state finals, a matchup between Katie and Cedar Hill. Um, Katie, of course, uh, because of of, uh, a loss to to Tompkins, I think, um, went D2. Um, when they're usually in the D1 bracket and uh, they are usually a D1 wrecking ball. So putting them in the D2 uh, bracket is even more so. It's Cedar Hill who, um, you know, has made a lot of, they slayed some dragons this year. They, they exercised some demons, especially that guy or demon last week. So um, happy to see, I personally, look, I'll, I'll make no qualms about it. I'm a Dallas guy. I'm as Dallas as it gets. When it comes to state title time, I root for Dallas teams to win. Um, and I've got friends on that Cedar Hill staff, DJ Mann, the, the quarterback coach, uh, Carlos Lynn, the head coach is, is a friend. So I'm, it hurts me to say this. I can't pick against Katie. I really can't. Now the qualifier I'll put in here is when you have Caden Salter, you're never out of a game. And, um, he's done some amazing things this year, the Tennessee signee. So, Look, I mean, I, I'm I'm hoping against hope that, that Cedar Hill pulls it out, but I I think I got Katie in this one. Yeah, I've seen firsthand uh, what Cedar Hill, uh, what a Caden Salter can do for Cedar Hill. Um, they beat my alma mater, Rockwell Heath, in the regional final in overtime. Uh, came back and won that game, so I definitely saw firsthand what Caden Salter can do. I've I've been known what Caden Salter can do, um, and I think he'll keep Cedar Hill in this game. Um, and I'm I'm really ecstatic for Coach Lynn. He got a lot of unwarranted um, hate thrown his way whenever they lost their uh, area round game last year against Denton Geyer in crazy fashion. Um, you know, a lot of people were calling for his job at that time. So I'm really ecstatic for Coach Lynn to be able to bring them back to the state title. This is also the fourth time that Cedar Hill and Katie have met in the state title since 2012. I think it was 2012 was the first year that they met. Um, but I'm going to have to pick Katie. Um, Coach Joseph, one of the best coaches in the state. Um, he's done a really good job with that program. There's a lot of talent on that program. Uh, the only thing I worry about with Katie is uh, 
if Caden Salter gets going and he starts putting some points on the board, can Katie answer with their own offense? And uh, that's, that's the only vulnerability that I see with Katie, but on defense, they're really strong. Um, I think they win this game by a touchdown. I need to mention also Cedar Hills defense has been really, really phenomenal throughout the, the playoff run as well. Um, all right. 6AD1, the primetime show Saturday night, 7 p.m. at AT&T Stadium. We thought we were getting nor I mean, I, I think everybody in the state would have bet money North Shore Duckettville part three. Um, instead, we're getting the dodgeball. We thought we were going to get it to open the season by again, by a district playoff win. Uh, Westlake goes D1, slays the D1 dragon, the reigning champs, North Shore last week. Game you were at, Nick, so you could maybe tell us a little bit about that. And uh, at the same time, Riley Dodge, Quinn Ewers, and South Lake Carroll, uh, maybe not slayed the dragon, they are the dragon, um, <laughs> took down Duncanville. And we're going to get Todd Dodge coaching against his son, Riley Dodge, in the state title game. And I love it. What a flex for the for the Dodge family. Like, imagine being Miss Elizabeth Dodge right now, having your husband coach on one side and your son on the other side. Like, do you even come to the stadium? Do you even recognize that the game is happening? They've already tweeted this. Have you not seen it? She'll be wearing a Southlake hat and a button from when Riley played and a Westlake shirt. <laughs> I respect it. I respect it. I, uh, I think it's going to be a pretty good one. Um, I, like you said, I saw Westlake last week take down North Shore and one of the it was probably the best game I've seen all season that wasn't a state championship um, a phenomenal game um, and I, I think what was really impressive about it is Westlake hadn't trailed in a game all season until those three minutes and 41 seconds left in the game and they were down 21-17 and uh, Kate Klubnik needed to put together a drive to go and win that game and he did just that and he powered in powered it in himself on a read option on fourth and goal to to put them ahead for good and they took down North Shore, which was which was huge. Like if you had told me um, the day before uh, which which semifinal would I uh, you know bet on being more of the upset, I would have bet South Lake Carroll over Duncanville. I was like, ah, you know, I think Westlake can hang with North Shore, but North Shore is North Shore. You can't beat North Shore, and they did just that. So um, I'm excited to see what Westlake can do. They had, their defense has been really strong in recent weeks. Whenever uh, you know Klubnik is having you know an off quarter or so, and he even admitted it in the third quarter last week, he didn't look that great. Got it allowed North Shore to get back into the ball game. Uh, so, but I'm really excited for the Cape Klubnik versus Quinn Ewers show as far as 2022 quarterbacks go. Um, and also before the season even started, I said South Lake Carroll was going to win 6AD1. My pit changed, of course, as time went, went about. But, you know, this might end up happening. So I'm going to I'm gonna look uh, – I might look pretty, pretty smart in the end. But I'm going to take Westlake. <laughs> okay, so this was the most fascinating part about the semifinals to me last year, last week. Duncanville and North Shore are mirror images of each other. North Shore is basically the Duncanville of Houston. Duncanville is the North Shore of Dallas. Uh, a lot of the same demographics, same type of athletes, all that. I think in a lot of ways, Westlake and, and Southlake mirror each other. Obviously, they're more affluent communities. You've got a five-star quarterback and a four-star quarterback in the 2022 class. By the way, can we just mention, before all that, just getting to see those two, plus Caden Salter, um, in this state final weekend is going to be uh, heaven for those who love great quarterback play. I mean, these are best of the best. Um, and so I think that those teams, even, you know, there are ways that that Klubnik reminds me of Quinn Ewers, not in the way he plays, but, um, you know, looks kind of the same uh, in uniform is built kind of the same way. There's somebody at my door. So if y'all hear the dog barking, that's why. Um, 
you know, it, it built kind of the same. And obviously, you know, the, the head coaches are from the same family. So I think it is fascinating in that way. Where I really look at it is can Westlake's defense, who I think is really the story of Westlake, like Klubnik is a good player and a guy that I really like, but Westlake wins on defense. And um, I think that, you know, I saw him against uh, in the regional final against um, Cibolo Steel. And they slept walked on offense to a 34 nothing win because the defense just did not allow Steel to breathe. Um, obviously, North Shore is equipped to score some points, but sounds like they did a pretty good job limiting them um, from what they normally do. So where it really breaks down to me is can the awesome star power of Quinn Ewers overtake the the suffocating defense Westlake has. It's hard to say. I usually lean defense in these matters. I really do. I think that Southlake Carroll is is dealing from an incredible position of confidence right now, having taken down Duncanville, um, who, who beat them so badly two years ago, beat them in a closer game last year. I think I'm going to have to go with with the younger Dodge here, I'm going to go with South Lake Carroll to, to get the win. So well, there's our, there's our only pick we differ on. Yeah. So we're, we're like, we're the same on all of them. We'll see. It'll come down to that. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to our mailbag portion. As always, you can get your mailbag questions into us on the Horns 24 seven message board. When we put the thread up. All right. Our first question comes to us from RGV, Texas fan. Is LJ Johnson holding out to see what happens with Kamar Wheaton? Uh, no. Uh, we, so we've introduced Kamar Wheaton's name back into the mix and only because he was signed with Bama or not signed. I'm sorry, committed to Bama obviously has a preference for their offense. Um, and now that Jeff Banks is here, that was his lead recruiter at Alabama. Um, so I've introduced Kamar Wheaton's name back just to say, Hey, this is probably a guy Texas will check back in on. I don't know how likely it is. Anything will happen right now. Um, LJ Johnson is doing his own thing. I don't believe he's holding out to see what happens with Kamar Wheaton. He's kind of boiling it down to Texas and Texas A&M. It sounds like a, a, a decision could come pretty soon. Yeah, before I get into this question, RGV Texas fan, I, I, it's, a, it's a big day for RGV football fans uh, because it was announced this morning by our good friends at Dave Campbell's Texas Football that UT Rio Grande Valley is going to enter the FCS uh, here in the next couple of years uh, as an FCS team. I assume they would join the Southland uh, since a lot of those teams are, are jumping ship to the whack. So that's really exciting to, to have an FCS program down in the Valley. Uh, I, I will definitely be at one of their first home games uh, next year or whenever they uh, have their first season. I'm really excited about that. Uh, but as far as LJ Johnson holding out to see what happens with Kamar Wheaton, I don't think so. I think uh, LJ's in his own decision process. Um, he, he's following his own, his own path. Um, and if I had to bet money, I, I don't see Kamar uh, flipping for Bama at this point. Um, so I, I, I don't think LJ's holding out or, or doing anything like that. I think he's going to decide on his own, uh, on his own path. All right. Our next question from uh, Red Wings, EK028. Uh, what are the number of commitments uh, takes for the 2022 class with Sarkeesian as coach? Happy New Year. Yeah, I wish I could answer that. And there's a lot of questions I, right now I wish I could answer. There are a lot of what are they going to do here? Do they like this guy? And look, until they've got a staff in place and they have a board in place, it's really hard to say. Um, it's really hard to say. I mean, I know people don't like that answer, but I can't tell you what they're going to do when I don't know who the defensive coordinator is going to be. I don't know 
Um, I can't tell you what they're going to do at certain positions where they don't have a coach. They're going to get together as soon as the staff is in place and kind of discuss a recruiting philosophy, which they're already kind of doing, but uh, they're going to put a board together. When those things happen, I'll have a better idea of, of how those things look. Yeah, and with the, with the pandemic creating such an evolving process with uh, transfers and extended eligibility, I don't think we'll know the takes for the 2022 class until probably December. And that's, that's probably a good case scenario. And that's kind of how it was with the 2021 class. We didn't really know what the takes were going to be until Tom Herman was asked that question in his press conference. Hey, how many spots are left? Um, so I, I think it's going to be a similar situation in 22. Um, and we'll just have to see how the roster shapes out between now and then. From RGB002, what's your favorite wing flavor outside of the standard Buffalo? I, uh, I kind of like sweet flavor. I like a Polynesian sauce or like a Hawaiian wing. I'm a big fan of that personally. I respect it. And I love the question. Uh, I'm a big mango habanero guy. I like the spice and the sweet, uh, but also uh, Wingstop has this new hot lemon pepper. It's like a hot lemon pepper sauce. And oh my goodness, I could eat my weight in it. Yeah, I can't do the spicy, so I usually just stick with sweet. Um, well, it's just it's a health thing, Nick. Uh, <laughs> from Horn Hunter, uh, seems every great football organization has a solid O line. Pass protection equals a healthy quarterback and time for receivers to run their routes. Uh, most gifted running backs are equalized uh, to average without the hogs up front. The question is, do you think this will be a priority for Sark and uh, will your Elite drench dwellers. That's a tongue, a tongue twister. Will your elite drench dwellers? I think even trench dwellers, maybe, uh, get a line coach developed to develop them to the NFL. Yeah, uh, Kyle Flood. I mean, that's the guy we've named. Um, he he obviously has been working with the Alabama offensive line the last couple of years. I know personally from dealing with the Brocker Myers, they're a huge fan of his and the way he teaches. Um, I think that, yeah, that's obviously going to be a priority for Texas and it needs to be, they're going to have to rebuild up front there. Yeah. It's going to be a priority for any team for sure, but especially after the 21 class and how that was kind of whiffed on the offensive line. Um, it definitely needs to be a priority moving forward. And, uh, but as far as like on the field, um, yeah, it, it needs to be because there's a lot of offensive weapons that the, the roster has right now. Uh, we, we're not even counting the guys that will be coming in. So, uh, so for sure, offensive line is pretty important. Uh, from SoCalHorn88, what kind of skill players would you like to see Texas recruit with the new staff? Speed, size, twitchy, et cetera. I think you've got to find a balance. I think that anybody who says we should recruit all big guys, Tom Herman, or we should recruit all speed guys um, is wrong. I think that you've got to find guys who can do a little bit of everything. Uh, if all things are equal, give me speed over anything. Um, I'll take speed in space because that's how the college game is played. But your Texas, you can, you have access to, to finding a lot of different, you know, types of players at those positions. Why don't you just give me Najee Harris? who has all three. Yeah. Or Bajan, <laughs> but, yeah. Bajan Robinson. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. I'd like to see a balance of, you know, all, all three of those uh, little traits that you got right there. And, you know, a couple of other ones, um, you know, as far as strength and things like that. And I think there's quite a bit on the roster already. If you're, if you're looking at speed, you got guys like Dejon Harris and Jordan Whittington, uh, Calvante Dixon. If you're looking for size, you got guys like Troy Amire uh, and some other guys as well. Twitchy, obviously, Bijan Robinson. Um, so, yeah, I think the roster already kind of has some guys like that. But as far as recruiting guys, uh, yeah, I'd like to see that continued. From Jack who won, Mike, is your job fun again? Yeah, it's fun. Um, I've got a lot of energy these days. And uh, <laughs> I think that, you know, it's, it's really – 
I think people look at us like we cheer for Texas because we're fanboys. And it's more like I wish for good things to happen to Texas because it makes my job easier and everybody wants their job to be easier. We love being able to talk about good things with you guys, but we have to talk about bad things if they're happening. But talking about bad things could be draining at times. So, look, man, we're uh, we're happy to talk about good things right now. The last year has taught me to embrace the roller coaster. And I honestly had a great time uh, on the on the lows and the ups. So. It's always been fun if you ask me. Oh, it's a lot better than a lot of other jobs out there for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even on even on the worst day. Um, from Hornsfan seven six one two, do you think that hi- the hiring of Kyle Flood will boost the, the chances with Cam Dubarry and Kelvin Banks? Um, I don't know as much about Banks. I talked to him a little bit. You know, he's kind of an a real Eva Kill kid. I do know Cam Dubarry um, talks to Kyle Flood a lot and was not the highest on her hand. So yeah, I think it, it could, the only way to go in, in that particular race is up. Uh, see, Kelvin Banks is my guy. And he was the first kid that I thought about when, um, whenever I heard that flood was being hired on my, I, I was like, Oh, that'll help tremendously with Kelvin Banks. So um, uh, I'm pretty excited to see uh, what the offensive line class will look like in 2022. All right. From Texan Boston, he asked me why I'm a bills fan. And do I want to predict the score for the game this weekend? I'm a Bills fan because my dad was a Packer. So I was born in Irving, Texas. I lived about 10 minutes from Texas Stadium. Um, my dad was a Packer fan about 1989, Nick. I know you can't fathom 1989, but um, they kind of wanted to get me into football. I was five years old. Um, and they, you know those little uniforms you get for kids with the helmet and the jersey and all that? Yeah. So they wanted to get me one of those. And my dad didn't want me to be a Cowboy fan. And remember that year, Cowboys were 1-15 um, in 89. He was a Packer fan, but he um, the Packers were the only team worse than the Cowboys that year. So he didn't want me to be a Packer fan. So they bought me a Bills uniform because they thought it looked pretty. And um, I, ever since then, I've just been, you know, I, I fell in love with Jim Kelly in those Super Bowls and uh, – I've ridden with the Bills through ups and downs, mostly downs. Um, and I'm hoping for some ups this year, you know. So, uh, score of the game, Bills by 1,000. All right. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, our friend Brian Miller texted me the other day and was like, Bills by seven, because I think he wanted to put a wager down. And I was just like, Bills by 100, man. That's always going to be my answer. I'm not the guy to text on this. <laughs> like, <laughs> ask somebody who's going to give you a real answer. Um, from <laughs> R1013, how do you see offensive recruiting changing under Sark? I think the biggest thing is that um, there's a lot of, I guess, a lot of new faces that kind of are interested in Texas now. And I think that you're going to have a wider array of quarterbacks and and receivers who are going to want to be part of this. I mean, to be honest with you, when Texas got really heavy into running power read stuff with Sam Ellinger, receivers didn't want to be a part of that. They don't want Uh, you know, they want the ball. And so I think this will definitely kind of change things up on that front. Yeah. There's a lot more potential in the 2022 class uh, with Sarkeesian at head coach. I mean, just a change in general would have created that, but bringing in Sarkeesian and what he was able to do at Alabama these past two years, um, the best offense in the country by far the last two years, uh, it definitely is going to open up the possibilities for the 22 class and 23 and 24 and looking forward. All right, our next uh, question comes to us from Milzy. Does Sark have any chance at all to salvage the O-line by February? Uh, Do you think he'll make uh, O-line, D-line primary focus moving forward or skill positions first? Let me address that second part because it's been asked twice now. 
You can't make anything a priority first. You have to do it all. You have to recruit an entire board. You have to find the skill positions while you find the O-line and D-line. You got to build the entire team. And so I think if you think that they look at it and say, okay, we're going to spend a month doing O-line and D-line and nothing else, that's just not how recruiting works. Uh, as far as can he salvage the O-line by February, uh, that's a lot to ask. I think if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in the portal. Yeah, I agree. That's what I was thinking here. Um, it, it had to be portal guys. I mean, the only offensive line guys that Texas could grab, I mean, you're looking at Austin UK, which I don't feel really confident about Texas landing. Um, and that's pretty much it. So they're going to have to go some portal searching for the offensive line help um, and, and hopes that they can do that. Uh, from Nero1691, to your estimation, what would be considered a good realistic first year in recruiting for Sark? Uh, what would you consider – uh, a good first year realistic season on the field. Um, like he's going to have the buzz. So that's always big. I do think uh, COVID is still lingering and it's still going to hurt without being able to take on campus visits. But I think that this has to be a top 10 class at minimum. Um, it just has to be, I, I think with this staff of recruiters, um, you're looking top 10 and you might, I mean, you might need a top five class at that point. So that would be the realistic. Uh, I, I would say if you want a realistic first year recruiting top 10, is is kind of a, a liberal answer um on the field tough to say because i do think this team does have a lot of talent i i don't think this team is a total rebuild they were a top 15 they finished in the top 15 this year um it is going to be about breaking in a new quarterback and you know new offensive linemen and all those things i think bare minimum he needs to be an eight win guy this year yeah i would say top seven class and i would go as far as to say I would go as far as to say a 10 win season. Cause I think it's really possible with the roster that they have right now. Um, Cause I think a 10 win season could have been possible even maybe even under Herman. So I think Sarkeesian, if he comes in, puts in his new system in place, uh, figures out who, who can be that quarterback for them next year with all the weapons that they have around them and then bring him back that the guys that are bringing back on defense, it's one of the best defenses in the big 12. I, and in my opinion, they should be playing for a big 12 title on the field this year. All right. From Handy1182, do you have to reestablish connections with the new staff or how does the new staff affect your jobs? We have to find new sources um, because, and it's not just the on-field coaching staff that affects it. There's guys behind the scenes that move in and out and we, you know, I've got to, we've got to find new sources and establish contact with them. So yeah, it does matter. It's a lot of scrambling right now to get phone numbers and get in contact with guys and try to establish yourself as somebody that they need to know. You know, I think our record of being able to say, we see more guys in the state than anybody else really helps us when it, when it comes to that. But uh, yeah, it is, it is definitely a change. The good thing is covering Texas. We're used to it because we've done some turnover recently. So uh, ain't no thing, just another, just another, uh, just another round of it. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's that time of the year kind of, because this is the third year in a row that there's been quite a bit of position change. Uh, position coach changes so yeah it definitely affects the the source making it's just like in january i get new sources every year that's that's kind of how it goes (laughs) Um, source season all right last question from houston horn 74 any chance of getting milrow back from alabama um we watched him single-handedly beat katie two years in a row uh, would be perfect for RPO quarterback in Texas. Not to my knowledge. He signed with Alabama, was pretty happy with that decision, and I think is, is you know, headed to Alabama. Yeah, I think he's going to end up in Tuscaloosa. But I want to fact check you because he did not beat Katie last year. But he did beat them this year. That's true. He almost beat Katie last year. That was Yeah, the, it was a really good game. The warning shot for sure. 
Um, all right, that's going to do it for us on our return episode. We do want to remind you guys um, that you can find the state of recruiting at any podcast platform of your choice, whether that be Google, Spotify, Stitcher, um, iTunes. If you leave a five-star review and a question, we will answer it during the mailbag segment. Um, so go ahead and do that. And we also want to remind you to listen to the other uh, great shows on our network, the flagship with Chip Brown and Taylor Estes and the Longhorn Blitz with Rob Babers and Jeff Howe. Uh, for Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. We'll see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.